And this is not just for me to introduce him, but I want to say the guy who's going to be sharing, Pastor Casey, uh, has really been a big blessing to my wife and I, to this church community specifically. Um, I can't remember now where we met. It's probably at a coffee shop like a year ago. Um, but he, he church planted seven, eight years ago in Delray Beach called the Avenue Church, and some of you guys are here today. And um, we so appreciate his church and his ministry. Uh, he's been able to just be patient with me and answer all of my annoying questions and all of my questions that no one else, I'm like, this is a weird question, who do I ask? I'll ask Casey. And he's just been so patient to do that. And um, we're very grateful, very thankful. And uh, whether it's him and, and even uh, Pastor Mitch from the Avenue, they've just been a huge blessing to our church and our church community and things behind the scenes you probably just wouldn't ever see or know. So really grateful for that. Um, honestly, it's kind of been like a big brother in the faith who's just been pouring into us in many ways. So very humbled by that, very appreciative of that. Um, I know that we constantly need that. I always want to be teachable. It's like I always have to grow. I always have so much room to learn and grow. And so I'm thankful for guys like Pastor Casey. So uh, would you just welcome him as he comes up here and shares with us today? It's Pastor Casey. Why don't we do that again one more time? It's a long walk. It's a long walk. It is, uh, it is a blessing to be here. Hello, uh, Exchange Church. Um, our first message today, direct from the Avenue Church in Delray Beach, I think it'll be behind me, is we love you. We love you guys. Um, you, should, you should know that from the get. Uh, let me introduce a little bit about who we are and a little bit about who I am, and then, uh, and then we'll hop into it. But um, we are a church that was planted, uh, we celebrated seven years in September, and uh, we're, we are in uh, Delray Beach, and we were planted by Spanish River Church, so we have a similar uh, story to you kind of being sent out by a church where many of us kind of grew up, bigger type church model, and then sent out to begin a new work in a, in a new place. And so we, we have a story that's similar to you, and we, we love our, our parent church, as I know you guys do as well. And uh, what we also love is the graciousness to be able to give away what we've learned and, and what God's brought to us. And so that's why um, uh, one of the reasons... Oh, am I still on? One of the reasons why uh, we love the Exchange Church, um, uh, we just uh, we love what God is doing in and through you guys and your desire to take the gospel uh, to a city and to a people group yet to be reached here in Deerfield Beach. And so uh, you are a part of uh, the one thing that God is doing, which is rescuing and renewing all of creation. You're, you're a central piece in that. And so I just want to say thank you for stepping out into enemy territory to claim the kingdom that is here and is coming in fullness. Um, so well done, well done. Uh, and uh, so just so you have a little bit of idea who I am, uh, this would be a cool time to show a picture of my family, but, but I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to show you my family, okay? That's just that's how we kind of do things at the Avenue. We, don't, we get up close and personal. So if, if you would all just like really awkwardly turn and look at my family, they're right back there. There's my wife and my mom, my daughter, niece, son, dad in the back, niece, uh, I'm sorry, my sister all the way from Australia here, okay? She, she heard about the exchange in Australia and had to come. And so, um, totally not true. But um, she's here celebrating Christmas with us and we're glad to have her. And I have some other children who are in your uh, little little kids area. I think it's, is it called E-Kids or something like that? Okay. Um, exchange, something, something like that. Hopefully they'll stay there and my wife won't get called to go get them. So we'll, 
that's the uh, that's that's the idea. And so I also have uh, another family, like my larger extended family, who's here. Um, if you could just awkwardly turn, look at them from the Avenue Church. There's Paul. Paul, just raise your hand real quick. And Shane and Richard and Chad. We Chad, we like graciously got to like give to you guys, and so that's that's been awesome to do that. And so. Uh, that is our church. That's my family. That's kind of who we are, and um, uh, they're just trophies of God's grace uh, to me, and I wanted to, like, share them with you guys, um, and uh, so, yeah. I'm going to ask the Lord to uh, be our teacher today and our, and our guide and um, give us what we need to actually experience him and not just hear about him. So, Jesus, you are the most beautiful pastor of this church, and we love you. And we're just calling on your name right now. We've already called on it, and we're just going to do it again. We just want to say, Jesus, would you um, be gracious in the giving of your spirit to us in this moment? Would you fill us and anoint us? And would you do what you do best, which is uh, bring life into dead spaces? Um, we surrender to that. Even if we don't know what that means, Jesus, we just want to pray over um, those areas in our lives. Uh, where, where death and decay still have a, have a say, whether it's a heart that's not been regenerated yet or it's, it's a heart that knows you and, and yet still has uh, renewing to be done like mine. Uh, would you have your way, Jesus? We love you. Yeah, Christ, in your name, amen. So today I'm going to be um, working through this idea of finishing well. What does it mean to finish well? Josiah and I talked a little bit about... Um, topics and what we wanted to do with, with this particular message, and um, this is uh, about the marriage, not so much the wedding. Most of your energy, I think probably as of late, if you're part of this team, has been about the wedding of the Exchange Church. And when I say wedding, like, like the launch, like getting it off the ground, that that big sort of day, and I know this is part of the, part of the process of it, where it's like, hey, we're, we're birthing something new. And there's a lot of energy that goes into that. But whether you're talking about like the, the wedding or birth, then there's a whole nother life after that where stuff gets like real. And the wedding and the honeymoon, all that sort of stuff, kind of um, becomes a really cool distant memory that's part, a big part of your story, but um, is not enough to actually help you finish well. No matter how amazing your wedding is and was, mine was ridiculously awesome, even though it rained, it rained in the midst of it. We, were, we had an outdoor thing that started, and then it rained, we ran inside. It was like a really sweet, awesome time. It was, it was, my, it was probably my favorite day of my entire life until I see Jesus. And it was like, the, like my wife and see, like I love, that's, the, that's my favorite, if I can only have one scene, that's gonna be it, seeing her there with her dad. But, like, that scene and that time and that moment is not enough to carry us through year seven when marriage got, like, crazy hard. And we had two kids, and we, we weren't, like, double income, no kids anymore. We were, like, tired, exhausted with not a lot of money. And then when we fostered two other kids, and then when we started a church, and then when God, like, kept doing all these other things to us that would deplete us, the the awesomeness of the start of our relationship was not enough to carry us through the reality of, of what tomorrow would bring. And I would suggest to you, and, and I'll just finish. I'm going to start where I'm going to finish, and then we'll, we'll fill it in. I would suggest to you the Jesus you know now 
is in some ways not enough for what you're going to be called to do and be. You're going to need to know a Jesus you probably haven't met yet. So I don't want to be confusing. I don't want to be like weird and heretical in my theology. I understand Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. I, I get that, okay? And hopefully I'll explain throughout this message what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say there are aspects of the person of Jesus that you have yet to experience that you're going to need if you're going to finish well. Okay, cool. All right, let's, let's um, go ahead and... Open our scriptures if you, if, you're, if you have one. If not, it, it might be behind me. I don't know how this works here at the exchange, so, but I know that you guys love your Bibles. I know that, and that's an awesome sign. So if you have your Bible, that would be great. Before, I, before we hop into the scriptures, there's a, there's a little, um, I don't even know what it's called, just a passage that uh, I read every now and then because it's really uh, meaningful to me. It's called, I Need an Old Man. And it, it has to do with this idea of... Um, needing someone in your life who's a little bit ahead of you who can tell you it's okay, like you're going to make it. I need an old man. I need someone who has asked the same questions and doesn't think I'm a heretic. I want to know that some pastor out there made it. I want to know. So this happens regularly at the Avenue. You're just going to have to bear with me. Sorry. I want to know that some pastor out there made it. I want to know that he didn't have to lose his sanity or morality to do it. I want to hope that I will really be more than what I do and stay true to who I am. I need an old man. I need someone who will show me his scars so I'll know I can survive being cut open. I'm not sure I need a model, just a person who is willing to talk honestly. I have a few of these old men in my life, and it would be a great gift to me that I might be one of those old men to you guys. You have a very unique, gifted, and lovely pastor and his family. Don't ever let them forget that. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy in the midst of Timothy doing something similar to what you guys are all about. He's doing a new work. He's out there. He's plowing the fields. He's in the midst of different struggles that come along with that. One of the specific struggles in our context here in chapter 6 is that um, there are some people with uh, mixed motivation that Timothy needs to watch out for. And What's interesting is as you, as you look more and more about how Paul writes to Timothy, it's as though Timothy was this guy who was like really sensitive and, and shepherding and pastoral and needed somebody like Paul to kind of just like every now and then like kick him, you know, from behind and say, keep getting out there. Like, I know you don't like fight. I know you're not necessarily a fighter. I know you're not necessarily one to engage in conflict. I know you're not necessarily one that um, likes to um, sort of turn things upside down. But the kingdom of grace turns everything upside down. So get used to it, Timothy. I need you back out there. And with that kind of sentiment, we see Paul writing Timothy 
in the midst of many who had some mixed motives as it pertains to gospel ministry. Verse 11, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 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 That's a good word. It like preaches itself, right? Like I just, I could read that a couple of times and I think that um, we would be able to be where we, where we need to be. As I was uh, thinking through this passage and, and the context of it, what's really cool about this passage is they have like these, uh, I think there's f- about four or five verbs that kind of jump out at you that Timothy's called to. And as, as we start thinking about finishing well, that's how we're going to work through the passage. Like this is what goes into finishing well. What Paul calls Timothy to is what Jesus, your senior pastor, is calling the exchange to in this idea of finishing uh, well. Uh, Specifically, the context that was right before these verses, uh, uh, Paul is noticing that uh, there are some people in Timothy's context that are in ministry for, like, financial gain. They're they're in it to um, make make some money. Like, Like, their motivation is absolutely warped. And so there's a warning to Timothy to be careful of these people. And he delineates Timothy by saying, "Um, you're not them. And he starts with Timothy's identity first. He says, man of God. It is always imperative that you start with your identity before you get into any kind of behavior. You have to know who you are before you start acting how you're supposed to act. I think sometimes in the church we get that backwards. We start emphasizing behavior, behavior, behavior modification. Don't do this. Quit that. Quit talking like this. Quit seeing that. And we forget or neglect or think it was kind of like our wedding day, like when we got saved and we got a new identity, and now we're all into like how we're going to fix our lives. But Paul never does that. See, Paul never leaves the gospel. I love that about Paul. He's got like one sermon. You ready? Jesus. Okay, so how do you get Jesus? How do you grow up? Jesus. How do you fight Jesus? How do you have a marriage that endures and flourishes? Jesus. How do you raise kids that actually like, love, and will give their lives for the local church? Jesus. How do you do that? Paul keeps bringing everyone back to Jesus because that's where our identity is rooted. And so he first, he first is like, Timothy, remember who you are, man of God. Someone... Now, Timothy's story is a little different than Paul's. I think sometimes we're attracted to Paul's story. Remember Paul's like, like murdering Christians, he's pursuing, and, and like God like changes him on the way. You know, at the Avenue Church, we are a, like um, a church full of addicts. Some of us are, understand that we're an addiction, and other, others of us just like kind of hide under social norms. 
But we all have hearts that worship idols. Every single one of us. And the cool thing that Jesus has done is he's been doing this thing where he's rescuing us from ourselves and from that lesser good and giving us Jesus. And so that's, where, that's, where, that's, that's what happened to both Paul and Timothy. It's just that Timothy's story is different. Timothy's story is, is one where it seems like he grew up in a household of faith and he's got some of that stuff going for him. And so sometimes we say the Paul story is, is bigger and better than the Timothy story, but they both required a radical intervention. Both Paul and Timothy, were, because of their sinful nature, were separated from a holy and righteous God. Paul, I mean, you can see it. He was murdering. He, he, was, he was after. He was, mur- he was actively pursuing the, 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 the capture and the, the harm of Christians. At the Avenue Church, sometimes you can see people, like they're putting needles in their arms. They're, they're, they're relapsing. They're going back to their drink or drug, and it's very socially obvious, like, wow, you need Jesus. And then there's others of us who don't necessarily have that same sort of behavior. We simply just quietly and socially acceptably Worship our stuff and our comfort and our families and our jobs and our ministries. That's kind of what some of us do. and Others of us do things that actually get more notice. So some of us are Timothys and some of us are Pauls, but all of us need rescue, right? And so what's, what's awesome is that Paul, Timothy, and Casey all came to this point where we're like, man, I don't measure up. I know there's something wrong and broken inside of me. And, and I understand that there's a holy and righteous and loving God that is separate from me now because of my sin and will separate himself for eternity because I deserve his wrath as a criminal who continues to find ways of life outside of what he's designed for me. And without his love and his grace and his mercy coming down in the person of Jesus Christ and going to a cross and suffering my punishment, with my sin upon him, dying my death, and on the third day being raised from the dead, without the understanding and the embracing of the gospel message of Christ crucified and resurrected, I will die and perish for eternity, an enemy of that God. I'll just do it a little bit quieter than Paul would have. And, and, and so what's awesome is that I, as I think about what's going on at the Avenue, and I think about what's going on at the Exchange, and I think about what was going on at, at this church I'm not sure what it was called and what the ministry was called, you know, like, but, but it probably had, like, one of those cool names that's got, like, the in front of it, the exchange, the avenue, like, shorten it up, right, make it kind of hip so people can, I don't know exactly what it would have been called and what, what would have been going on, but I do know that the same gospel message would have been preached that says no matter who you are and where you are, Jesus meets you there and invites you to surrender from yourself and your sin and simply turn and receive his finished work as both your savior and your master, your treasure, your Lord, that you would come to him in that way of faith and begin to follow him and receive life from that moment on. Man of God, Timothy, this is what I have for you. He goes on throughout the passage and he brings out these different um, verbs. The first one is flee, flee. So I think we're going to have the the, the, the uh, actual verbs up there behind me. And, and if you're taking notes, um, you can take down whatever kind of version of that uh, that would be helpful to you. First one is flee. And we see here in the passage, uh, Timothy is called by Paul 
to actually flee from these things. And yeah, specifically in the passage, what are these things that Paul is telling Timothy to flee from? Well, it's, it's the love of money. Now, not money, but specifically the love of money and, and also those people who are engaged in ministry with mixed motives. Flee. I think sometimes um, we're, we're ready to fight when God has called us to flee. Listen, there's a time to fight. There's a time to stay and stick it out and try to, like, like um, battle. And then there's a time to flee. I mean, if, for those of you who love your Old Testament, I don't have to go back very far. You probably think of Joseph, right? Joseph didn't need to negotiate that, that sexually compromising situation. He didn't need to try to win her heart to the coming Messiah, right? He just needed to get out. He needed to get out and trust the sovereign God to do this, his sovereign work in his sovereign time. He needed to get out because if he went down, that would have been horrifically bad. Horrifically bad. And so um, as I read this passage, it's interesting. It doesn't start with fight. It starts with flee. It starts with get out. And I was just thinking, man, th there are some times in life when we're called to run away. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of immaturity. It's actually a sign of maturity. Some things in life are meant to be run away from. And my encouragement to you at the exchange is to get faster. Get faster at those things that are meant to be run away from. I made some notes as I was walking through this. Like, so what did this look like for us as the Avenue Church? As kind of like the, the, the older brother, if you will, to kind of walked alongside of this. And we love partnering with you guys. And a couple years out, out in front um, certainly doesn't mean we know more. It just means we've made more mistakes. And so we can kind of like talk to you from that perspective. And I was thinking, um, get faster get faster, fleeing. This is actually uh, uh, like uh, a skill that requires training. You're not naturally good at fleeing from things. Some animals are, are amazing, like they're, they're really good at escape, but not when they're babies, not when they're young. When they're young, they need to be told and ushered out. They don't know how to get out as quickly as uh, some older and maybe more mature animals would. And, and so I was thinking, this is actually something we get better at over and over again. And so if you look at this particular context, he's telling Timothy to flee, um, not just from the love of money, but also from those people who have mixed motives in the ministry. And so I would tell you guys, as the exchange church, to learn how to discern motives of especially those who are proceeding into leadership and flee from those whose motives are mixed. That's a skill. It takes time. It's a spirit, spirit of discernment. It's seeking the Lord. It's all those sort of things. You do that in community. But be very careful not to usher people into leadership too quickly or without having fully discerned, as the scripture tells us, the qualifications of elders, of deacons, of leaders within your church. Be careful. Get faster when you see someone aspiring to leadership and starting to sort of claim their stake in the exchange church because there's a lot of unclaimed area here. I want you to understand that. 
it's probably a lot easier to rise to leadership at the exchange than it is at Calvary or Spanish River or the Avenue. We're, we're a little bit bigger. We've got a little bit more maybe um, systems set up. So we might come across like um, we're, we're not as needy. Whereas at times at the exchange, because we were the exchange just a blink of an eye ago, it's like, oh my goodness, you have a pulse and you haven't killed anybody lately. <laughs> That's awesome. I think you'd be great for our kids' ministry. <laughs> like, head back there, you know, we'll, we'll do a background .5 check on you and just kind of cross our fingers that nothing comes up. That, that is sometimes how we operate when we're starting out, right? It's like, because here's, here's like, it can't all be on on these guys right here and it can't just all be on the leadership team so we're constantly almost kind of like looking for like who's going to help us bear the burden and here's what I would tell you um, it's an easier burden to bear than undoing bad decisions in this area flee from those who are kind of like asserting themselves as I should lead here, I deserve to lead here. If you want to lead here, like set up chairs and, and, and hold babies and do stuff that nobody sees for like a long time and um, lead without having a title. And then let somebody in current leadership say, hey, like you, you actually are leading. I want to invite you in because of your humble and gentle spirit. I can see that your motivation is Jesus, not like I finally found an opportunity to make a difference. The second one is uh, pursue, pursue. So um, Timothy's called here to pursue, to get after it. And there's a long list of things that he's called to pursue, right? You've got faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness and um, in this particular case, it seems like we could actually unpack each of those words. And that's cool. And it's, they each have awesome and rich meaning, but they are like results of a person. And so for you guys and for us, man, it's, it became clear to me, rather than just kind of like saying, okay, let's talk about r the righteousness and what that means and the root word there and this... Let's talk about the source from which they come, and that source is Jesus. So the, the, the idea here is someone is meant to be run toward. Someone is meant to be run toward. There is nothing more important that, that, you, that you can do as a church than fall deeper in love with Jesus. Period period. If you fall deeper in love with Jesus and invite and train and equip others to do the same, you'll go on mission. People will get saved. Deerfield will be completely different. This school will be radically different. If just the people in this room fell deeper in love with Jesus over the next year, 
So that's my encouragement to you. It's, it's Paul's encouragement to Timothy is run towards Jesus. Run towards these things because as you run towards Jesus, these things will start to come out of your life. You can talk about all the different you know, projects and, and, and potential that you have here in this city and beyond planting churches. Those are all awesome things. I love that. I love casting vision. But the greatest vision I can cast to you is the person of Jesus and just come to him over and over and over again. And then when you've exhausted how you think you can come to him, get creative. Get creative. Do you know there's more ways in reading your Bible and praying to come to Jesus? Do you understand that? I'm not saying those are more important. I'm not, those are foundational. Like in the word, in prayer. Like it can't be outside of those. But I'm thinking today that I'm probably talking to a decent crew of people who are part of this movement from an early perspective who understand Jesus and love Jesus and are like in to a, a, to a particular level. I just want to encourage you, man, if I came home to my wife, we've been married 21 years. If I came home to my wife and I said the same thing to her every night, dear Catherine, it's good to see you again. You look great, honey. Please be with our sick and hurting children. And there's definitely some needs I want to share with you. And thank you um, because you're so pretty. Amen. See you tomorrow. Like, it, if, if that was the extent, and I just kept repeating that because somebody told me that's what I should do, do you know what that eventually would be called? Religion. That would eventually be called just rote, repeated behavior that's religious. It's not full of passion. It's not full of affection. She is my absolute best friend. She is in no way compares to Jesus. She is a distant second, but there's not a close third. And let me tell you why. Because we have found creative ways to pursue one another. She's a person. I know what she loves. I know what she hates. I know her love language. It gives me great joy to speak it. I love giving her good gifts. I love to bless her. I love to serve. I love to bring her into my hearts and my valleys. She's a person. Jesus is a person. He's not a project. He's not an assignment. Treat him like your treasure, not your project. And you'll fall deeper. Next one is fight. Fight. Um, Paul tells Timothy, you're going to need to fight. So there are times to flee and there are times to fight. Um, some days we lose. Sometimes um, when you come from really successful places, like we came from Spanish River, super successful place, you guys and not all of you necessarily, but like Calvary Sending Church, super successful place, right? Um, I think sometimes in the midst of so much success, you forget that losing is like a normal part of that journey. And like you can't get to the places where God has taken Calvary and taken Spanish River without a lot of losses. It's like... Um, 
somewhere along the line, especially if you got brought into the Calvary or into the Spanish River story in the middle, and if you weren't part of this movement, if you, were, if you came in like year 20, sometimes you don't always see the scars and you don't see the losses. And so you think, well, man, it, it, things are just like really well polished. And so I guess maybe that's how I should be. And when you lose, which you will, you will lose battles. You will relapse. You will go back to the thing you hate at times. I hope you don't. And I trust that Jesus can keep you from that. I just know that the flesh still rears and hates what the Spirit is doing in you. I know some of you will, will go back. You'll have losses. We'll all have losses to certain degrees in various areas. And if you don't remember that losing is actually part of winning the great war and inviting other losers into what Jesus is doing, you'll, you'll like lie, not on purpose, but you'll polish yourself up and you won't share with people how your marriage really is or the inner place of your thought life. You'll be too embarrassed or ashamed or you'll think it's not a part of the culture to share how you, like, are still gripped at times with, like, panicky, like, on the verge of anxiety attacks for no real good reason. And you're the lead pastor of a church that's almost eight years old. You, you won't want to share that because you'll think you're, you're, like, leading or you're a part of something that is so well-polished and so successful, and it got successful by win after win after win, do you not understand that the Christian life is advanced through losing? Jesus Christ lost on the cross, and then he won. You understand that? We move forward by losing. Paul is like, man, if I'm going to boast... I'm going to boast in my weaknesses because in those moments, Jesus gets a whole lot bigger and Paul gets a whole lot smaller. And other people who actually need Jesus get to see a Jesus that's for the sick, not for the well-polished righteous. The gospel is about Jesus taking on the sin of the world and being crushed for it. That's a loss. But it was for our great gain. Let's not forget the rhythm of the Christian life. And, um, so when you fight and you lose, just keep going. It's cool. Just keep going. I mean, it's, your sin's not cool. It's not, it's not brushing on the rug. But it's like, no, no, I lost. I, I went back. I, but grace abounds, man. His mercies are new every day, so you keep going you confess, you repent, you keep going. If you want to lead in this church, man, be the lead repenter. Let that be your language. Let that be what is your first step forward. Not how awesome you are and how horrible you used to be, but how much more awesome Jesus has become even in the midst of what you still struggle with. You're going to lose. Keep going. Get in shape. This one's get in shape. I was like, man, what, what could I tell them about this one Like, as far as the Avenue Church goes? Just get in shape. Here, here's the deal. If you're going to fight, you have to be in shape. Or else you're going to get tired and you're going to quit. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get tired and you're going to quit. So, or you're going to come and you're not going to be prepared to share something really valuable when it's needed. For instance, 
Um, there are people that I'm in community with. There are people that I'm around, and I'm like, hey, man, this isn't working. What do you think? What do you think about this? Like, I love to include people. I love to hear from other people. Here, here's what's harmful. When I, when I come to somebody who's a trusted brother or sister, and I'm saying, hey, I'm not really sure about this, or what about community life? Could we do that better? Or what, what do you think if we went there or did this? What's harmful for us is when I trust like the, the future of the church or even like some of the stuff that's going on in my own heart to someone who, who's not in shape. And rather than being filled with the spirit, they're filled with the world. And they give me good advice, but not the voice of God. That's, that's like dangerous, right? I mean, I've grown a little bit to be able to discern, mm, doesn't sound like my shepherd, doesn't sound like my Jesus. But, but, like, you don't need to make it that hard. Get in shape. Fall deeper in love with Jesus so that as you grow more and more invested into what God's doing here, you actually have something filled with the Spirit to give. You actually won't bounce and leave this place and come to the avenue or go back to Calvary when the kids' ministry is not exactly what you thought it was going to be. And when you're still setting up chairs three years from now, and when you can't get a meeting with him, and when he didn't return your texts according to your timetable, and when your community group, they hurt you, they, sh- they, they broke confidence, you were gossiped about. You, listen, you, we're going to hurt each other. It's part of doing life together, but families stay together. Families fight for one another and for the mission that Jesus has called them to. And you won't be able to do that if you're tired and out of shape. You're going to bounce to the next easier option. Get in shape. Take hold. Then he says, Timothy, take hold of the eternal life. Take hold. Interesting, it seems as though Timothy here is being called to, do, to like take hold of something he can't see. It's confusing to me a little bit. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't, I didn't even, I don't even really know. Like, reading that, take hold of eternal life. Okay, so as processing through this, it's like Timothy's been called to this eternal life, and it has to do with the confession that he's made. And, and, and so it's this, um, it's this relationship that has started now, with an unseen God and will be brought to fruition when Jesus comes back. And, and so it seems as though Paul is encouraging Timothy to lean into like his identity, to lean into what he has in the gospel. And the note for this one is so, sometimes we must hold what we can't see. Sometimes when, when we're called to do these things that the Lord has put in front of us, we're called to hold on to things we can't see. And so in this particular case, you need to get help. Jeff Vanderstelt calls this gospel fluency. Gospel fluency. Gospel fluency means the ability to speak the gospel to yourself and others. The ability to speak. I'm not talking about just like death, resurrection, death. Re- I'm talking about what does the gospel has to have to say to your son who's three years in addiction? What's the gospel message there? What's the gospel message to the exchange church who's right on the brink of kind of like launching out, going public, and seeing what like happens in Deerfield? What's the gospel message when things go really well at the exchange? When you blow this out and you're setting up chairs one Sunday and it's like, oh my goodness, like revival has come to Deerfield. The spirit is here. This is awesome. And then the next Sunday, there's like six people that show up. You're like, what just happened? Did, I, did, we, did we do something disobedient? No. 
But you, you're, you're going to need to know what is the God, what's the good news of Jesus in that moment. And then you're going to need to speak it to one another. You're going to need to be able to gospel one another. Not good advice one another, but gospel one another. Get to the heart of your unbelief and then remind each other that we don't need better and trying harder. We need Jesus in that area of our life. That's how we take hold and finish strong. The last one is keep. He's, he's told to keep the commandment. Um, commentary I was reading again. I'm like, what is, what is the commandment? I don't know. I'm not like a Bible scholar guy, so I gotta do work on these passages. Like, what does this mean? What is this? commentary I read was this is the gospel rule of life, the commandment that's mentioned here, the gospel rule of life. Almost like um, in Philippians when Paul's Paul encourages that church to live a life worthy of the gospel. So um, like a, a life that would reflect the love and the grace of Jesus, both personally and corporately. And so I thought. Man, sometimes, or somehow, we must be able to protect the gospel message. We've got to protect the gospel message. Like, what does it look like to protect the gospel message? And I thought, there's, there's some aspects to this that go into protecting the gospel message, like speaking the truth to one another in love. Like, when I, when I see sin in your life, or you see sin in my life, we already have the invitation, because we're blood brothers and sisters, that we just lovingly share, hey man, this is something I'm seeing, what do you think about that? We ask like well-informed questions that allow us to talk about things beyond the surface. That's my alarm that says I better close soon. You don't want to be the guest guy and go like way over, that's just weird. (laughs) Close it up. So there's that. But when I wrote the Get Serious, it was like, Man, God's just been doing something fresh in my heart about getting serious about happiness. Now, you might want to do the whole joy versus happiness thing. Just don't. Don't do that. If you just try to, try to define joy without using the term or the thought happy, you can't. Like, I'm in the midst of this book from Randy Alcorn called Happiness. Amazing read. And he's basically like saying, like, Christmas Eve, right? Good news of great joy. Joy, happiness, contentedness of heart. That's our birthright as Christians. And so we should actually, if we want to protect the gospel message, we should get more serious about having a happiness of heart that can only be found in Jesus. We should lean into that. We should enjoy his good gifts and let them bring us to the giver of those good gifts. I think one of the most protective things of the gospel message is a Christian who has a true and rich happiness of heart. Give me that guy, give me that girl as my evangelist, not the one who knows all the scripture. They can learn it. We can teach them. Give me the one who didn't need to be taught what it means to be loved by a holy and awesome God. Just give me that one. We'll go with that one. If you want to know the, and this is kind of one of the things that we learned from the avenue, if you want to know If this is working, if you're protecting the gospel message, just ask your kids. Those of you who have children here at the Exchange Church, wait about three, four months, and then say, hey, what do you think about church? Do you like it here? Is there somewhere else you want to go? What do you like? What do you not like about it? Every now and then we'll drive by a different church or we'll go to a different church and I'll get to speak to my 12-year-old or my 16-year-old and I'll get to say, hey, what if, 
What if it was like this, or we went there, or we went back? Or what do you think about that? What do you now, my kids are like normal kids. Like, they've been waiting for me to be done with this sermon 20 minutes ago. Okay, like, it's like, they don't, if you ask my 16-year-old, does she like coming to church? Nah. Like, yeah, meh. She loves Jesus. She, just the, the corporate gathering, I mean, she's 16. She'd rather be sleeping and eating pancakes. So, so she's like, they're real. They tell the truth. But if you were to say, hey, what about this? Or what if we did that? They'd be like, no way, man. Like, we love the avenue. That's our people. That's our church. Man, if I can't find that when I leave and go to college, like, that's, that's what they're looking for. That hasn't come from me, like, selling the avenue, church. It's come from the gospel message being protected and the joy of Jesus being central in their lives and their experience at church. So if you want to know how you're doing, wait three or four months and ask your kids. Do you still want to be here? And if not, why? So the team's going to come up, and I, I know we're going to finish with a song, so I'll, I'll invite them to do that and just say one final thing. Um, it's where I started. And it's this idea of for all of these things to happen, I mentioned you know fleeing and fighting and all those sort of things. There's, a, there's like a trick to this message, right? Here's a trick. I'll, I'll maybe leave with the trick, and then Josiah can short it out over the next... 70 years. I just called you to things you can't do. Like, you can't do these things. You can't fight for very long. You don't know how to flee. I don't know how to pursue Jesus. How am I going to hold on to something I can't see? Like, in and of my own strength... I can't do this stuff. And I hate being the weak man. Just once in my Christian life, I want to be the strong man. I want to be the savior. I want to be the hero of my church and story. Just once. But Jesus loves me too much. He will never let me be the hero. He will never let you be the hero. He loves being the hero, and he's so good at it. So in order for you to finish well and fight and flee and do all these things that the scriptures have encouraged us today, you're not going to need more of you. You're not going to need to try harder. You're going to need more of Jesus. You're going to need to get better at quitting on yourself. Just quit on yourself. I can't do it. Jesus loves to do it. I'm going to let him. I'm just going to let him. I'm just going to surrender to I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no idea. But I have what's this, this idea of vulnerability and confidence that are both growing. I cannot do this. Jesus loves to do it. And so I'm going to invite him in ways that I've never experienced him before to come and fight for me. Help me to flee when I need to flee. Help me to pursue him. Help me to keep the gospel unstained and pure. Jesus, we ask that you would surprise us. May we never come to the end of knowing you and experiencing you. May we never tire of coming back 
and learning new things. And Jesus, when you come back and you, you renew the earth and you give us bodies and minds and hearts that work right the way that we want to in you, Jesus, I pray that even then we would still be in awe of your glory, who you are. Lord, I pray that if there's one who is yet to meet you, that they would hear your quiet and loving invitation to simply quit. Just quit on yourself. It's okay. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I'm done. I'm a sinner, and I know this brokenness. It never gets me where I want to go for very long. I quit, and I'm asking you to begin. I trust you. I trust what you've done for me on the cross. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. I want to be a man, a woman of you. Come to him in that way, by faith. And he will bring life into the dead spaces of your heart. We pray this over all of us. Christ in your name. Amen.